Hello everyone and welcome to today's live stream event. We are going to be talking about some strategies to help you with burnout prevention. This is a part two. We did this conversation a couple weeks ago, the first part of this conversation. So if you are new to my um, platform or if you didn't see the first part, then make sure you go back and see the first part of it. I do these about every two weeks or so. We talk about something that's really instrumental and important to us as healthcare leaders. And of course, burnout and stress prevention is first and foremost with a lot of us feeling so stressed out and burned out that we're feeling like we want to leave the job that uh, we worked so hard to attain or the position we worked so hard to attain. So what I'm going to do now is pull up my slide so we can let's see hold on a second so we can get started um last time i did not have slides because i just kind of wanted to have an organic conversation with you but i have some very special information at the end of this presentation that i think is going to be really instrumental and a game changer for those of you that are feeling like you are um experiencing burnout and so i want to make sure that we go ahead and get started here. Let's go to the beginning. Have this all set up and I don't know what happened. All right, so here we go. You are in the right place if you wanna learn more about reducing burnout, specifically when it comes to strategies for us that are healthcare leaders. I have tons of notes. Um, again, so if you have not been in one of my audience before then you may not know this but i like to have lots of information to share with you because it's not just about telling you the things that you've already heard before it's also sharing with you things that are going to help you on a mind body and soul level i believe the reason why we have the issues that we do in healthcare have to do with the fact that we often will go to what we believe to be the solution to the problem and not go any deeper. And so these real systemic issues that need a lot of fixing never seem to get fixed. So you're in the right place. About me, for those of you that are new, um, my name is Yashika. I am the founder and CEO of The Land Group. We do a couple things here at The Land Group. Hopefully you can tell that our number one mission is our passion behind high performance and personal mastery when it comes to leadership, because specifically that's the type of leader that you have to be to make the changes and transformations and the impacts that you want to make without, um, without it being detrimental to your well-being. There's a way that you can be a leader and get it all done and do all the things and make the impact that you want to make in a way that doesn't compromise your well-being. But unfortunately, I don't know why, but in healthcare, we're not talking about this as much as we should. I work with entrepreneurs and other executives in other settings and they come to me specifically wanting this type of training, but it seems like in healthcare, we just keep spinning our wheels doing the same old, same old, and these things are not really moving the needle on the dial as much as they should be, even though if you specifically LinkedIn, if you like LinkedIn, um, if you come on LinkedIn, it seems like everybody's doing fine. That's not the case. So I'm here to bring a level of authenticity to this conversation. 
Secondarily, because me and my small and mighty team have a lot of experience in leadership and a lot of experience in healthcare, we also go into organizations and help them with operational strategies if they need help with that type of thing. Our goal in that way is to just help reduce these productivity lags that result from the resource, not using the resources that you have available, not leveraging the skills of your team in the most impactful way, all of the things. And now when you have skim resources, when you really still have to have uh, operate within a profitable margin so that you can stay open, you really need to learn how to leverage the things that you have to get the work done. And we all know the workload's increasing. So where we left off in the last conversation is all about burnout and burnout is a significant challenge for us as healthcare leaders. Healthcare workers in general are all experiencing burnout and it's impacting us on multiple levels on the mind, body and soul level and even practically um, in our functioning. And I spoke a lot about this if you did not see the live stream that I did on the science of decision making and how decision making truly works, then you have you're, you have to understand that even though you may feel like you have to keep going and get up every day, you can't quit, you can't leave your job. When you start to experience this insidious chronic stress or at worst burnout, you're actually limiting your capacity to be able to do your job in a competent way. And the weird thing about it is that the way that our body works and the way that our mind works, you won't even know that your capacity to do your job has been compromised. A lot of times I'm sent in to help a department or help a leader. And usually what I find is that this leader, number one, they're either not in a job that aligns with their purpose. But then number two, they're probably, they're usually burned out and stressed out. And because of that, they haven't been able to perform optimally in addition to not having the tools that they needed to succeed. And that is a recipe for disaster. And unfortunately, I'm just speaking to you on the real, real, <laughs> it could lead to you having to be on performance improvement plans and all kinds of things that jeopardize your job, even though deep down inside, if we were to work on this burnout and this stress and give you the tools that you need you to actually be quite successful at your job. So on a body level, chronic stress is associated with burnout triggers and it creates this cascade. And I think we all understand this part of burnout as healthcare workers. We understand that it increases our cortisol levels and it increases inflammation in our body, which then can create uh, an environment that is a host for more physical health issues like cardiovascular problems, compromised immune systems, and a higher susceptibility to chronic diseases. We all know that stress and burnout does those things. But again, here we want to talk about what it does to you on a deeper level, because for those of you that are feeling um, disengaged and feeling disconnected and feeling passionless and feeling like, why do you even get up in the morning and come to work and do what you do? You're probably starting to feel an erosion of who you are on a soul level. And so when it starts to get to that level, it impacts your sense of purpose and it impacts your sense of fulfillment that initially may have attracted you to healthcare, 
um, especially being a healthcare leader, but it also can impact you in a way where maybe you didn't have this big burning desire for why you became a healthcare leader, but you had these other things outside of work that you care about, you know, and your livelihood provides that for you. But because you're starting to feel burned out and stressed out and losing that sense of fulfillment, you are then not really wanting to show up to do the things that give you your livelihood in the things that you care about outside of work. And so this leads to emotional exhaustion. How many of you are there? No matter how much sleep you get, no matter how much PTO you take, no matter how many self-care Sundays you take for yourself, you still have this lagging feeling that you just don't feel energetic and you just don't feel refreshed. You can feel a sense of detachment. For some of you, it may feel like I'm just going to come in, do what I got to do and get home. And then you just repeat this hamster wheel over and over again. For some of you, you just don't even feel like you're living life. You feel like you just are a cog in a wheel. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have any deeper connection to you. And, and that's the detachment that I'm talking about. And again, it can get to the point where you actually lose your passion for work. And remember, the passion for work is not just doing the work or the impact that you make as a leader or in your community. Your loss of passion for your work is also tied to the loss of passion for the things that matter most to you outside of work and even for yourself. And we all know that this profound disconnection from your purpose and from your values will actually start to have a profound overall impact on your well-being and your satisfaction in life. So not just your personal life, not just your professional life, this actually starts to erode the satisfaction that you have for life in general. Practically, we all are familiar with this side of burnout and stress as well. Um, it impairs our job performance and our productivity. Again, the, the funny thing about stress and burnout is that you, from your perspective, you might think that you're still on point. You're still performing at your best. You're still making great decisions. You're still on top of your game. However, what happens behind the scenes, the things that you don't understand, the things that you don't see, the way that we operate on a physiological level, you're not going to know that you're not performing optimally and that your productivity has taken a hit. Again, I encourage you to re or not re go back and watch the replay from the science of decision making. If you don't understand that you don't have control over some of the mental processes that we have in place to help us to perform and be productive and be efficient and be effective. Those things erode, even though you don't feel like they have. And so from this practical standpoint, then you increase the likelihood of errors, of um, safety issues, high turnover rates from um, healthcare leaders. So we already know that as leaders, we're starting to step away from our roles because of the demands and the pressures that we have on our plate. But 
70% of the people that are going to stick with your organization, stick with their organization because of you, you and your energy are sometimes the only thing that's making your um, team members stay and stick beside you and stick beside the team or go. And so if you're feeling like this, even though you don't think that you may bring it to work, I I talk about energy all the time. People can pick up on vibes. People can pick up on energy. So it's not just leading to the turnover in leadership. It also indirectly leads to the turnover of other staff. So it's not only costing us time, money, and energy from a leadership perspective, but of course, we all know the resources in healthcare are tight. And so this burnout has this trickle effect in all areas of healthcare. And so I want to get into some of the things that we left off with with part one so we can understand some more of the deeper science of burnout and the urgent need that we need to adopt in order to prioritize our mental resiliency because the things and I know you know this, the things that we are experiencing in healthcare right now, the trends that we're experiencing, the challenges that we're experiencing, they're not going anywhere. You can say we need ratios. You could say we need more staff. You could say we need more money and more equipment and more training and all of this and all of that. But when you really start to think about how deep and systemic that is, that's not something that's going to change overnight. And in fact, if our population is getting sicker um, and we have to do this with less resources, whether that be human resource or whether that be other resources, then you can understand that until we get a reformation of some sort that these things are big things that are not going to change overnight. And so if you are thinking that there's going to be this magical solution that's going to change the stress and the burnout of your job, it's not. (laughs) If you don't have enough people to do the job, enough people that want to do the job, enough people that can teach people how to do the job, enough resources to do the job, then it doesn't matter what ratios or whatever you want to put into place is not going to get you the impact that you want it to have. And so while I'm teaching you some prevention strategies, I also need you to understand that for those of you, um, those of us that don't want to walk away from our jobs, and for those of us that can't walk away from our jobs, we also need to be focusing on something called resiliency. And I'm going to talk a lot about resiliency toward the end of this presentation. So make sure you stay tuned. Resiliency is your ability to bounce back. And that's where you really want to focus a lot of your time and attention. So we're going to talk about mental resiliency. I already talked about self-care practices, not fake self-care practices, but real self-care practices. But we'll talk a little bit more about that and some ways that you can protect your well-being, enhance your performance, and continue to create a fulfilling environment, not only for your team to thrive, but also for you to thrive because you're important too. So where we left off in the last discussion is on the importance of building support networks. Oftentimes, because I have the luxury of going into different organizations and getting to see the ins and outs of how they operate and also getting to know the leaders and workers 
in these organizations on a level where the internal leadership would not be able to do that, right? Because it's not quite a safe space for you to go to your CEO and tell them how you're feeling all the time. I get to quietly observe the way these support networks within our work systems um, take place. And a lot of times they're not the healthiest of support networks. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about why building a support network is great. But this support network is not a support network where you have someone that is like-minded in the sense that we're focusing on what's not right, what we need to fight against, what's not going well, commiserating. There is a time and a place for that. And I do think that that is important to do, but I think we don't spend enough time being around support networks that help build us up, that help us cope, that help us bounce back, that help us pour into each other. And um, managing burnout goes beyond individual strategies like the self-care, the time management, some of the things that I talked about in the last session that we had on this topic. This support network actually plays a crucial role in helping you to prevent burnout and enhancing your overall well-being on a deeper level. And this is research-based. You know, we love our evidence-based information. So I'm not just telling you to build a support network because it's the cheesy thing to do. This is actually scientifically proven. Research has shown that social networks and meaningful relationships are fundamental to your mental and your emotional health. And since they're fundamental to your mental and your emotional health, it's even more fundamental for you to understand how important it is to pick the right people to build your support network with. Our brains as human beings are wired for social interaction. And so by building an appropriate social network, you create this safety net that can provide you with this safe, emotional, practical, and professional support in the times where you may need it. And a lot of times it's in times where we need it, but we don't know that we need it. And one strategy that you can start to adopt in order to cultivate meaningful connections with the right colleagues, the right mentors or healthcare professionals is to actively seek out opportunities to engage in open and honest conversations with your peers, mentors, and colleagues. Now, for a lot of you, especially if you're in an environment that you deem to be toxic, you may feel like you don't work in a safe space where you're able to do that. And I want to invite you to understand that you don't have to have these support networks within your organization. There's plenty of opportunity outside of your organization for you to get the support that you need so that you don't feel like you're alone, so that you don't feel like no one understands what you're going through. So you don't uh, feel like you're not being heard, all of that. Um, so when you're seeking out these opportunities to engage in these conversations, you also have to put a level of vulnerability around you, how you show up in these relationships by sharing your challenges and your concerns and your successes. And by doing that, it's not just you in a relationship with other people where they're there for you when you need them, but it's also by sharing, you're building this mutual connection and this mutual relationship with other people. 
And by creating this mutual support, what you start to build is a culture of support and accountability where you get to actually learn from each other, provide encouragement, offer insights. If you have never read the book, um, I think it's Think and Grow Rich, they talk about the power of the mastermind. And in the power of the mastermind, what's so powerful about being in a supportive network of individuals that are moving synergistically, (laughs) synergistically, where it is that you're trying to go, you actually amplify the energy and the power of each of you in the group because you all share this collective energy to be better, to do better, to support, to be accountable in all of the things. And that actually makes you a more powerful leader, a more powerful human, a more powerful individual by being a part of this type of a network. So you can learn, you can encourage, you can have insights. Um, So I want you to consider an This is coming from a true INTJ introvert. (laughs) You need to consider joining these support groups or mentorship programs or professional networks. And I would encourage you to join groups that are specific to healthcare because even though you might be a leader, there are just certain nuances about showing up in a job where you have to give of yourself, where you have to be of service on a deep mind, body, and soul level day in and day out that a lot of other professions don't always understand. And so if you can find some resources that are healthcare specific, I would invite you and encourage you to join those. Um, here with the Lynn Group, we have the Leading in Healthcare community over on Facebook. It's brand new, um, but I go live in there every uh, Friday, every other Friday about, and then just drop some information in there to help. And that's a safe space where you're outside of work and you can ask questions and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's the Leading in Healthcare podcast. And again, at the end of this, I'll tell you about some more resources to go even deeper if you feel like you need help and support with the stress with the pressure and the overwhelm and all the things. So building a support network, again, also doesn't have to be limited to your professional life because I do believe that for a lot of us that start to experience this insidious stress in our work life, I'm of the mind that thinks that it's not always only work. There's this deeper and maybe unrelated trauma and these experiences and these things that have happened in our personal life that have insidiously eroded how we are connected to ourselves and our value and our self-respect and our purpose and all of the things. And so those things make it easier for the stressors and the chaos of our jobs to be even more prone to stressing us out and burning us out. And so I also am a firm believer that finding support networks that maybe are not professionally oriented could be something that may benefit you if you find yourself to be resonating with what I'm saying when there's these deeper things that have happened to us that have changed the shape of who we are and our ability to fully show up in our power, in our growth mindset, and all the things, right? So 
That's all I'm going to say about the support networks until the end of this presentation. I also want to give you some of the warning signs because I believe that stress, chronic stress and burnout can be insidious. And again, I already said it's not limited to your job, but I think that we oftentimes don't recognize that we're headed on a runaway train of stress and into burnout because we think stress and burnout means that we have to feel like maybe we are on edge and maybe like things are overwhelming and things may not feel like that for you. And so I want to emphasize the, the significance of understanding what the warning signs of burnout are. One of them can be physical exhaustion. And you could just think that you're physically exhausted because you're tired, but really you're physically exhausted because of the stress. Because if you, maybe you didn't have the stress or weren't on the brink of burnout, even though maybe there are periods where you have to work harder than you normally do, they may not deplete you as much as they're doing right now because of the stress and the burnout that you may be experiencing. So you have physical exhaustion as a warning sign, persistent irritability. Everybody's getting on your nerves. <laughs> um you just, someone can breathe wrong and you just feel like you just want to cuss them out. Like, so there's persistent irritability with no cause, um, decreased motivation, changes in your behavior or your mood. You really are, have to be self-aware and attuned to the earlier warning signs so that you can nip it in the bud before it turns into burnout. And when you start to notice these little signals that your body is giving you that something is amiss, I always teach my clients that when you feel like something is off, that is a trigger for you to pay attention inside, for you to go internal, for you to go introspective, because your environment is trying to tell you something about what you internally need to examine and reflect on. And so if you are starting to notice that you're tired, you're irritable, you are disengaged, you don't have a lot of motivation, you have changes in your behavior or your moods, then don't ignore it because it's not a temporary state of feeling overwhelmed or stressed. It actually continues to get worse and worse and it chronically then can have these long-term detrimental effects that we spoke about when I told you how it could feel to you on this mind, body, and soul level. You have to understand that admitting that you are starting to feel this way is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of failure. It's real. <laughs> it's valid. Uh, over 50% of your peers are feeling the same way you are. Of those 50%, about 70% of them are going to go on to being super stressed out, chronically ill, leaving their job, whether they do it in their own, by their own choice or whether they do it because the healthcare um, implications of stress and burnout take them out. So many leaders are experiencing the stress and it's our jobs to understand these early signs so we know exactly what to do and how to bounce back and how to be mentally resilient so that we can prevent and manage this before it gets out of hand. 
Again, the first thing that you need to do is be self-aware and learn how to recognize the early signs. The problem with this is a lot of us, again, society, the way we were conditioned just tells us to push harder, to hustle. We got to get the work done. That's number one. But then number two is a lot of us in healthcare, particularly put ourselves last. So we don't even know who we are anymore. Like at the end of the day, if you took away all of the roles that you have to do, whether that be mom, dad, husband, wife, uh, leader, all of that, those are just things that you do. You don't know who you are and who you are goes deeper and beyond all of the roles that you have to show up for on the day to day. And so being self-aware means getting to that level where you have this deep, authentic connection with who it is that you truly are outside of all of the societal roles so that you can learn how to take these proactive steps to prevent these stressors or these warning signs from escalating into something more crucial. You need to prioritize your well-being and take care of yourself just as you take care of other people in your profession. And it, by you ignoring or being embarrassed or being scared to get help from these maybe early warning signs that you're feeling, or maybe you already are feeling really stressed out and burned out, you, you're only leading to the further deterioration of your mental and your physical health, which can impact your ability to perform not only in work, but again, what are you really living for? Because work shouldn't be the only thing. There's other things and purposes and things that should fill and light you up. And you're not going to be able to be there for anything if you continue to put yourself at jeopardy. So I don't, I want you to not be afraid to get the help that you need if you start to notice these warning signs. It's a sign of self-awareness and it's a sign of strength to take action when you feel like you are starting to put yourself in a position where your performance can be detrimental. There's many different places where you can go. So you don't need to feel like you need to talk to your job about this right away if you don't feel like you're in a safe space. There's other resources for you. Um, but again, I just want you to recognize some of the early signs of uh, burnout and stress so that you can do something about them. I speak a lot about resilience. And like I said, I think this is where for those of us, for those of us that are going to continue to move forward in healthcare through all of these challenges and stressors and changes that we're going through, it's not about preventing. Well, it is about preventing burnout, but the stress is not going to change. And in fact, it may get worse. So it's about also recognizing that part of it is going to be how you bounce back. It's about bouncing back from challenges and setbacks. And a lot of us are better at this than others. There are some of us that are still holding on to stuff that happened to us a week ago, a month ago, a year ago in our childhood that are impacting us to this day. And so resilience is something that's going to help you to continue to have everything that you see here on the screen, your sense of optimism, self-belief, your control of yourself, willingness to adapt. You can read them all. By cultivating a growth mindset, practicing optimism, building your emotional intelligence or your emotional awareness and fostering compassion for yourself, you are going to be able to develop 
the resilience that you need to navigate the demanding nature of your role and prevent burnout. There's always going to be changes. They're not going anywhere. And so by becoming more resilient, and this is a skill that you learn how to do over time, you're going to embrace challenges as opportunities for growth and continue to be positive. And positive doesn't mean fake, like there's not bad things going on. Positive means that overall, you believe that things can be better than they are right now, overall. And finding meaning in difficult conversations, or excuse me, difficult situations. So be aware of your emotions and manage them effectively. Treat yourself with kindness and empathy. It's stressful to be a leader. It's stressful to be a leader in healthcare. It's emotional depleting. And you're not just somebody that works in healthcare. You are a multidimensional being that has to show up and deal with a lot of different areas of life that may be challenging, that may um, stress you out and have you having to practice coping and resilience. So being compassionate is very important to you. But again, this is one of, I think, the most optimal ways for you to prevent burnout, and it's by learning how to bounce back from setbacks or challenges. And um, building the resilience you need is going to be probably the key going forward to your success, given, like I said, all the things that we are dealing with as leaders on the day to day. All right, next thing I want to talk about that is going to help you reduce burnout is your workload management. And again, take I want you to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. You are only one person. There's only so much hours in the day. So you don't have an unlimited ability to do the work that may be on your plate, even though that workload keeps growing. So I don't care who expects you to get all the work done. And I'm saying this <laughs> not professionally, I'm saying this more personally. It, it may not get done. And that's something that you have to try to see how that fits into your comfort level and your workflow and what's going to continue to help you be able to put food on your table. But it's also going to be something that you leaders that are in more high positions like CEOs and stuff, how you look at the workload that is on your leadership team's plates. It's not all going to get done. You can pile it on as much as you want, but it's not going to get done. So let's talk about how we can manage it. I'm going to be point blank, period. A lot of people are just not effective with the way that they use their time. I have seen some of the most inefficient ways that individual leaders work. I've seen the most inefficient workflows and processes. So I will say that there is room for improvement around time management. So here are a few things you can consider. I did a podcast episode on the Leading in Healthcare podcast. This probably was about a year or two ago about how specifically I time manage. So if you want to know how I do it, you can go back and do that or leave me a comment and I'll re-record an updated um, time management episode for you. But time blocking involves specific time slots for different tasks or activities. This is important because if you are a person that 
you know, you're still going to have all the meetings and all the things. But if you know that you are more energetic in the morning, then maybe you could time block out some time to do more detailed tests in the morning versus the afternoon. I am not a morning person. I do not <laughs> turn on to like after 12. So for me, a lot of the more intricate detailed tasks that I have to do get time blocked in the afternoon, but I don't have this revolving open door policy when there's things that I need to get done. And it doesn't mean that I don't make time for my door to be open for people to come to me, but your time urgency is different than my time urgency. And so I'm not going to let you dictate how I'm spending my time all day. So time blocking is one way that you can start to get a handle on time management. You can also use what's called the Eisenhower matrix where you categorize your task into four categories, urgent and important, important but not urgent, urgent but not important, and not urgent and not important. What you're going to find, I bet if you did this for a week, you just put everything that you did into these little categories, you know, just kept track of everything that you did during the day. What you're going to find is most of the time you're spending your time on things that are everything other than urgent and important. <laughs> Everybody's pulling you in all these different directions. And so part of it is, remember when we had our licensing test or, you know, whatever career you're in, if you're like a clinician, you usually have to take some sort of licensing test and all the answers seem to be the right answer, but there was one answer that was the best answer. That's kind of how this Eisenhower matrix works. You're going to come to work and you may have all these things on your plate that seem to be important, but there usually are only a couple things that are important and urgent. And you need to learn how to prioritize what is the best use of your time because time is a limited resource. The other thing that you can do is called cognitive offloading. And this involves outsourcing repetitive or non-essential tasks to external tools, technology, or team members, freeing up your cognitive load and mental space for more critical decision-making and problem-solving. I'll tell you one way that I do this on a very simplistic level. We all know that there are times where we may have to do monthly reports or something like that. I don't try to remember it. I don't try to I don't try to let that take up a lot of mental space in my life. What I do is I book a reoccurring appointment in my calendar that to do this certain task. And when it comes up, I do it. And also, if I know that there's someone that needs to be groomed, because we need to be also creating these leadership pipelines in our organization. So if there's someone that I know that is motivated to want to be a leader, why not help teach them some of these tasks that it takes to be a leader before they actually become a leader? And for you, it seems like you're putting more on their plate, but you're not because you're stretching them, you're growing them, you're giving them an opportunity to uh, for growth and performance in their career, which actually ends up being more rewarding and more satisfying for them. So look for things where you can create these symbiotic relationships with the people that are on your team around how they can grow and help you out and how you can free yourself up to then be able to do more of the things as a leader that will actually help them to have the tools that they need to be successful. And let's see, we'll do a couple more. 
and then we'll, we're almost done guys uh, with part two, uh, workload assessment. And this to me ties in with the time management, the Eisenhower matrix, but it's regularly assessing your workload and then identifying tasks that can be not only delegated. We talked a little bit about that. If you want more resources on delegation, check out the leading in healthcare podcast, but there's also things that can be eliminated. There's things that can be postponed. And if you have a leader that is putting things on your plate, it is perfectly respectable to have an objective, not subjective. Now I feel overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. Objective is this is going to take this amount of time with this amount of resources. So I'm not going to be able to get that. What can be eliminated or postponed? And you can have that conversation and a good leader should be able to understand you if you can communicate where you are from an objective point of view so that we can understand what it is that you need and it can be communicated in a way that is undisputable, if that makes sense. And I think I did an episode on that too, about the way that we communicate, because a lot of times we communicate in subjectivity and we communicate in feelings and it makes it harder. It makes it easier for people to not understand what it is that you need, what it is that you're saying and to dispute you. But when you put things in a more objective frame of reference, then it helps you get what you need more effectively um, from the things that you are trying to communicate what you need from. So this can work in your professional and your personal life. You need to learn how to communicate more objectively. Um, so during this workload assessment, involves evaluating your tasks, your responsibilities based on, again, their value, their urgency, and their alignment with your overall goals and priorities and your organization's overall goals and uh, priorities. And then from there, seeing where it is that you really need to spend your time. And then we're gonna do one more. We're gonna do, I talked a little bit about boundary setting in the last one, but we'll talk a little bit about it here because I think that boundary setting can go super deep. And a lot of people do not have healthy boundaries. You may be someone yourself that is uncomfortable asserting healthy boundaries. And it's not only healthy boundaries between work and your personal life, there's also healthy boundaries that occur within the work that you do and the way that you manage your workload. And although, again, the work is growing and all of it is not going to be your fault, nor are you going to have control over some of the things that get put on your plate. But for some of us, we feel like if we assert healthy boundaries, then something is wrong with us which is a deeper issue around people pleasing, which is a deeper issue around perfectionism, which is a deeper issue around feeling weak or feeling like we're not enough if we're not doing all the things, or if we say we can't do something, then people are going to judge us. Like you may have these deeper issues that have nothing to do with the work that you're putting on your plate. It may also be these internal issues that you may need to address. So I just wanted to put that out there because there's a piece of the work that we may not have control over, but then there are still some of us that just have problems with boundaries and we have problems with boundaries because of our lack of self-respect and um, healthy views of how we see ourselves versus this 
impossible ideal and standard that we hold ourselves to. All right. <laughs> so then the last thing I wanted to talk about was coping and healthy coping mechanisms and healthy coping again goes just it, it goes not only within your professional setting, it also occurs in your personal life and the two can bleed. So if you have any issues personally, they can affect your professional life and vice versa. So I wanted to speak a little about, bit about healthy coping mechanisms because I think that ties into resilience. And I think that when you look at the research that me, you, and four other people can be in the same situation under the same stressors, but only 50% of us are going to feel like we're super stressed out and burned out. I think it has to do with the coping and the resilience and the things that go deeper internally inside of us as to how we deal with things. So having coping mechanisms that address your deep psychology and your personal mastery are very important. Some things that I personally find valuable and that my clients personally find valuable are cultivating mindfulness. And mindfulness involves bringing yourself into the present moment. Because so many times we live in the past, which is not real, or we live in the future, which is not real, but we don't capitalize on the power of being in the moment that is real, the now. That is deep. And um, even if you think that you understand what I'm saying, if you're not practicing being present, then I think that that could be part of the problem as to why the coping and the resilience and all the things um, and the stress and the eventual burnout may be something that you need to pay attention to. Mindfulness is about paying attention to your thoughts. It's about paying attention to your emotions. It's about paying attention to the sensations that you feel in your body. And you don't do this because you want to judge them or you want to analyze them. The first reason you do this is out of a curiosity for truly understanding who it is that you are and really understanding the maybe subtle and more imperceptible things that are going on around you that actually communicate more to you than a person would or something blatant would. And it can help you develop a deeper understanding, not only of yourself, your emotions, some of these triggers that come up that actually stress you out so that you could deal with them. Um, but they also provide you with the information you need so that you can manage your stress and you can then prevent the burnout because you have this healthier connection with yourself and the world around you. There's many things that I teach, but one of the things that you can start to do when you feel overwhelmed and stressed, and I know we oftentimes will work our butts to the bone and not even go to the bathroom, but if you excuse yourself for a bio break, nobody's going to be like, no, you can't go take a bio break. So if you feel stressed out, you could just get up and you can go to the bathroom and take a few minutes to pause, to close your eyes, to center yourself, take deep breaths notice your sensations in your body, notice the things that are going on around you without any judgment, just you being fully present and whatever it is that's happening within you and outside of you in that present moment without 
getting caught up in the judging and the worries of the past, of the future, what have you. And what you're going to find that if you can start to incorporate something like this into your life for at least 30 days, things are going to magic, magically change for you. I kid you not. That is where your power is. You can also incorporate mindfulness before you go to work. You can incorporate mindfulness as you're commuting to work. There are many opportunities where you cannot say that you don't have the time to be present because if you're living and you want to live fully and you want to make the biggest impact and you want to do it in a way that is not only meaningful to yourself, but to the people that you impact on the day to day, then it's a non-negotiable for you to do it as mindfully and as present as possible. And this mindfulness lends to you being able to cope better and to have the resilience that I spoke to you about um, because it helps you to have this compassionate attitude toward yourself, toward what it is that you're going through, to what it is that your coworkers are going through, what it is that healthcare is going through, and also have a non-judgmental attitude toward yourself and to others, which actually is a more supportive environment that you are creating within the ecospheres that you run in. I'll just say it like that. So that's what I'm going to say about coping and mindfulness. And I wanted to talk to you about a solution that just launched yesterday. I just launched it yesterday. Um, well, just open doors for this round of the Mental Resilience Mastery Program. And it's a six-week program for those of you that want to learn how to thrive in the demanding healthcare leadership role. This is the solution to the stress. This is a solution to the burnout. This is a solution for those of you that know that the stress, that the lack of resources, that the changes and trends and fast pace and pressures and all of that are not going anywhere and you don't want to step away from your job. And so what we need to do is learn how to thrive in that type of a role so that we can be resilient, so that it's not depleting us, but it's not causing us mind, body, and soul um, ailments <laughs> that actually erode our sense of well-being. So the Mental Resilience Mastery, the doors open for enrollment yesterday is the six-week program and is to help you break free from this endless cycle of stress and burnout that comes with being a leader. And I wouldn't even say just stress or burnout because maybe you're not feeling the stress or burnout, but maybe you just don't feel like you have the support and a safe space where you can talk about your challenges, where you can get help about your challenges, where you can receive guidance and support that you need to actually be able to perform, to perform well at your job, um, where you get leadership skills that you need and where you get the help that you need to achieve true work-life balance, not go on PTO and that's work-life balance, not take a bath on Sunday and that's work-life balance, but really learn how to bring that resiliency and that thriving into your leadership practice so that you can continue to show up day in and day out, not only in your professional career, but also in your personal life. And this is about nurturing your inner self. This is about empowering you to lead with more grace. It's about empowering you to lead with more confidence, but it's also first and foremost about empowering you to lead with 
confidence in a way where you're prioritizing your own well-being. You feel heard. You feel supportive. You have a safe space to do so. You have the resources that you need so you can continue to move forward. In this program, you're going to learn how either you'll discover your inner strength. So for some of you that have never been taught how to thrive and given the support that you need to thrive in this type of a demanding environment, you're going to discover that you're stronger than you think you are and you don't have to be stressed out and you don't have to be burned out. You just need certain tools to help you to be more successful. But for some of us that have maybe been in it for a while and we feel like we're starting to lose ourselves this is a time for you to learn how to discover or excuse me rediscover your inner strength and again this is about breaking free from that cycle of stress and burnout because you're going to learn stress management solutions and work-life balance initiatives that are actually going to help you to prioritize putting yourself first, reconnecting to yourself first, rediscovering that sense of purpose inside of yourself because you know who you are, and then aligning your professional practice and your personal practice with who you are authentically. This six-week program is going to guide you through stress management techniques to overcome these relentless challenges that keep getting put on your plate and the responsibilities of healthcare so that you feel like you are more in control of your job, your role, how your day goes, and feel less overwhelmed. And then because we focus on that mental resilience, you're going to learn how to safeguard yourself against the burnout and avoid those mind, body, and soul exhaustion type of symptoms that I talked about that can come from this insidious long-term stress that you don't even realize is impacting you negatively until the switch flips and you start feeling burnout. You get tools, you get strategies, you get a community of like-minded healthcare leaders. So we all understand each other because we all are going through it, have been through it, will continue to go through it. And then you'll also have this safe space where you can recharge your batteries and rediscover your inner strength so that you can tackle the challenges that you have to face in your role. And um, just to give you a little bit of a sneak peek really quickly into what's in the program, there are six modules. It's six weeks long. Every week you get a new module. I know you're busy. I'm busy. They're not terribly crazy. However, they do systematically take you through a framework where you're going to learn step by step the things you need to not only learn about being mentally resilient, learn how to gain that self-awareness practice that I talked about to really bring it back to self and either connect or reconnect to yourself and then take it to the next level so that you can take this attitude of growth out into your team. But then by the end, you'll also learn how to sustain everything that you learned once you leave the program so that you are actually creating these lasting changes that make powerful impacts in your personal life and your professional life. I have testimonials here from those that have gone through the program. A lot of people have been hesitant to join the program um, because maybe you feel like you've tried something like this before. Maybe you feel like you don't have time. Maybe you feel like it won't work. But I want you to understand that there are leaders like you that felt the same way. And if you just read the screen, you're going to see that 
they took a chance on themselves. And by taking a chance on themselves, they were able to reinvigorate themselves toward not only their job, but back to who they were and feel supportive and feel com connected to themselves, but also feel the support of a community. Because again, a lot of you are always talking to me how much about how leader, higher upper leadership doesn't understand what you're going through and um, you're not getting the tools and the support you need, but you don't feel like you can really express that without being uh, penalized or putting your job or your well-being at jeopardy. So if this sounds like something that you're interested in for a very, very limited, this is a, uh, the investment piece of it is a no brainer. I'm telling you that right now. You could go look at any leadership program that's going to teach you mental resilience. They're not going to teach you the way I teach you. They're not going to give you the information that I'm going to give you. And they're also going to be severely overpriced. Right now, it's always affordable, but for a little while, for the early bird, it's going to be 200 It is $200 off. So you can go ahead and get signed up right away, either in a full payment or full one payment plan, or there's even a two payment option. But right now, until I think, I think it's like a few more days, 10 more days, it will be $200 off. After that, the price will go up we start on June 4th. Um, secondarily to that, for the first 10 people that sign up for this mental resilience mastery round, you're going to get a free 30-minute coaching session. Um, one thing that I did add for those of you that want to join the mental mastery program, but you also know that you want some deeper coaching and support, I added an affordable option to this round where you can also get a couple of coaching sessions, one hour coaching sessions, where we can actually dig deep into some of the things that you're going through and you can get my help, my attention as a certified coach onto whatever it is that you're dealing with. And we can strategize and come up with a plan to help you get past whatever you're going through. So again, $200 off early bird special, not very long. <laughs> it's not going to be going on for much longer. And if you're one of the first 10 to sign up, you get an extra uh, coaching session, 30 minute coaching session. And if you know that you want coaching, I added an option there. And if you still want your first 10, you'll still get that extra um, 30 minute coaching session. So if you want to learn more about how you can join us in this six week program that's designed for you to be resilient, to master your mental health so that you can perform optimally and show up for the things that matter to you, you can either scan the QR code with your phone or you can visit the website and usually, you know, people just say bit.ly forward slash mental mastery program for more information about that and join us in the program. I'm going to check LinkedIn because I don't really ever see comments here. You know, on LinkedIn, you have to go live through a third party. If you have questions, you can start to type them in the description box. Otherwise, let me just see if we have any questions here without messing anything up, hopefully. Okay, yeah, I don't see any comments right now, but if you do have a comment, be sure to just drop it in the box because I know a lot of you have to watch the replay. Leave the comments in the box. I will come back and I will make sure to answer them. Otherwise, that concludes part two 
of our reducing burnout strategies for healthcare leaders. If you have any questions, any concerns, anything like that, let me know. And I will talk to you in our next LinkedIn Live event. All right. Take care. Bye.